right, as we get ready to start, all the kids are dismissed to go to Asbury Church Kids. If you want to quietly make your way over, uh, Jonathan and Stephanie are going to be helping this morning. So let's give it up for them, too, as they get ready to serve. So everybody else, take your Bibles. Please turn with me to Luke chapter 5 as we continue our series, Better Than Good. How many are grateful for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Amen, has the ability to change. And so our theme verse is found in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. And I think we have it for the, uh, for the screens. And so we can put that up. What I want us to do is I want us to read this together this morning and, and just simply declare along with the Apostle Paul a deep conviction that ought to and should be living in our hearts. Let's read this together. I am not ashamed of the gospel Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. You know, I love this. The gospel is the good news. It, It is about the power of God manifest through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that gives us life. And this, this morning, as we look at our, our next, next piece in this, in this eight-week study that we're doing, I want to talk about a new walk. I don't know if you know this or not, but did you know that your walk um, is as unique as your fingerprint? Did you know that? Some of you may not realize that, that your walk, your cadence, is actually at the place. You, you may not realize this, but this is, to me, interesting. How many know there's lots of cameras around? And they can identify people by their walking and not just their facial features. Because your walk, I know all, all the people are like, I am not walking anymore. Right? Walk with, throw some gravel in your shoe just to mix it up, right? But, but it's interesting that, that your walk is as distinct as you are. And, and some of you, you know this, you've seen people walking and, and just their cadence, you're like, I know who that is. Like, you, you, can, you can sometimes, you, you can hear the, the, the pace. So in our house, when I'm walking, you know, like the other morning, Matt was just like, Dad, you're like way too noisy in the morning just simply because I'm walking, you know? And it's just, it's just this mammoth girth that I have as I just trundle through the house. It just makes, but, 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 but it's true uh, that, that you can recognize you are, you are, your walk is actually distinct. And not only that, you can tell a lot about where a person is by their walk. You know, if you watch someone, you you can tell if someone is is like, if they're exuding some confidence, some surety, they'll walk with their shoulders back, they'll walk upright, they'll they'll walk with like resolve and determination. You can also tell when someone seems a little bit lost, right, when they're walking, because there's some hesitation looking left and right, like, hey, what's going on? There's that sense of uncertainty. You can tell when people are walking when, when it seems as though they're, they're, they're carrying a weight or they're carrying baggage simply because they, they, their shoulders can be down. They might be leaning forward. And the reality is our, our posture, our, our walk is unique to us and really tells us a whole lot about our lives. Now, it's interesting that the Bible, is, as it describes a journey of faith, will describe it as a walk. That there's this walk that we're on, there, there's this cadence, that, that this way that we're called to walk and step and, and have a life that reflects. And this morning, as, as we continue our study of, of better than good, we, we're going to be looking in Luke chapter 5, and the big idea we're going to come around to 
is this. Because of the gospel, we don't have to leave the same way we came. I want you to understand, I think the gospel is amazing, awesome, great news. It is good news that ought to abide in our hearts and give us joy. How many, joy, how many know that joy is an appropriate byproduct and an appropriate expression of the gospel at work in our lives? Can I get an amen on it? Can I get a smile on it? Right? How many got the gospel in your heart? How many know it needs to shine? It needs to show, right? And this is the truth. Because of the gospel, we don't have to leave the same way we came. Because what the gospel does, when, when, when we encounter Christ, when we encounter the gospel, it changes the trajectory of people's life. And ultimately, it changes the way they walk. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. And again, Luke is writing because he is, he is amazed by this news of Jesus that, that can transform lives, especially the lives of people who seem a little unlikely. And so the, the story or the account that we're going to look at is, is regards a man who is paralyzed. Now, what I find interesting about the story is the story does not give this man a name. We don't know where he's from, but we know this. We know that he is dealing with a very real struggle. He's paralyzed. Now, we don't know why he's paralyzed or for how long. We don't know the events that have happened, but we do know this. That because of his paralysis, because of his, his limitations, his purpose and his movement is profoundly impacted by that which he is experiencing. He's an, he's an individual whose, whose life is limited by the condition that he's experiencing. In Jesus' time, if, 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 you, had, uh, if you were lame... It meant that you weren't able to participate fully in the community. And, and it, so it became really interesting that, that, that here's an individual who is, who is dealing with an inability to move. He's dealing with paralysis. And I think Luke tells the story in a way to really, to, to, to really help us understand that, that Luke isn't just writing about any one specific person or just about a specific person, but he's actually writing about all of us. And so as we look at this, this story this morning, I'm, we're going to note four important ideas. And the first thing is this, is that, that, that the gospel of Jesus Christ provides everyone an opportunity for hope. And so when Luke begins this story, I love it, he creates a little bit of tension. How many like tension? How many like to create tension? How many, some of you are like, no. How many of you tension just arises because you're present? few of us. Good. This is how the story begins. One day, Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And then I love this line. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. I want you to note that last line. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Okay, so this is a really fun account as you read it in Luke. For, for Luke, this is the first time the Pharisees and the teachers of the law show up in this gospel. 
Now, for us, how many know we hear the word Pharisee and we're already prejudiced against Pharisees? We think Pharisee is a hypocrite, right? We, we, in our language, we talk about people who are, who are, you know, you're like a Pharisee or Pharisaical, that, that you're, you're just a hypocrite. And, and, and all that idea actually comes out of, uh, of Scripture. But what you need to understand is that, that uh, Pharisees were actually esteemed people. And um, I don't think they're too different than the way we actually do life. Now, Pharisees, this is what you need to understand, they placed a high value on God's word and its application to every area of life. That the Pharisees, would, well, the, the way that they lived is they said, you know, the word of God is so important. It needs to inform and touch every area of our life, publicly, privately. It was just, they needed to be measured and, and ruled and directed by it. Yet the children of Israel were really, and the Pharisees particularly as a group within the, the traditions of, of Judaism, um, they were sharply impacted by their past. You see, when you read Israel's history, we find out that at different points, um, invaders would come in, and, 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 there were, and sometimes there would be destruction, and, and, and at different points that... You know, uh, people like uh, Nebuchadnezzar would come or, or the Assyrians would come and they would end up decimating the land and people would be sent to exile. And the prophets would begin to say, hey, the, the reason this is happening is because God's people have forsaken God's word. And because they're not living God's word, they're now in exile. And the Pharisees are like, back in the land, and they're like, we don't want it to happen again. And because of it, they became very focused on making sure that people were measuring their life by the law. Like, like I said, this isn't too different than us. How many of you as parents, there are some areas in your life where you're more strict with your kids simply because of what you've gone through? Right? You, 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 become, very, you become very particular. Like When it comes to certain domains, you're like... Dude, I will snap here because I know that if you walk down this line, I know that the, the terrible things that happen, and so we can get hung up as parents sometimes on little things. Anybody have that moment, or is it just me? Right? Y'all know this to be true, right? This is the way the Pharisees are. And just so you know, that, that Jesus is actually his teaching his approach to life is actually in some ways very similar to the Pharisees. Hmm, did you know that? Because the Pharisees believed in resurrection from the dead. The Sadducees didn't. That was another group. The Pharisees, they believed in the importance of God's word. So did Jesus. He believed in the resurrection of the dead. The, the Pharisees believed in, in a spiritual realm. He believed in angels. They believed in angels and demons. And how many know Jesus believes in angels and demons? And so Jesus actually has some affinity toward them. And so it's kind of interesting as this story begins because all of a sudden these Pharisees are introduced into the story and it says that they're sitting there and Jesus is teaching and, and, and understand that the, 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 there's been movement around Jesus' life and his ministry and it's starting to snowball and people are coming around him going, okay, who is this teacher? He's saying things, it's, it's touching our hearts, we're seeing miracles performed, who is this? And so these religious people come out because they're trying to figure out what's going on. And so they're sitting there 
trying to figure out who is this Jesus. They're uncertain, they're unaware. So there's this little bit of tension going on. Yet in the midst of the tension, there's also this little line that Luke pens. It says, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. So Luke's profession is a physician. Now, physicians aren't necessarily like physicians today, but, but it was still a discipline, an area of learning and study. And, and for Luke, Luke is, is really, um, he's really captured by Jesus' ministry of healing. And so more than... Uh, 50% of the times that the word healing is actually used in uh, the New Testament are, are actually attributed to Luke because it was such a big deal to him. And he's just like, hey, guys, listen, there's a little bit of tension going on, but Jesus was in this place and the Spirit of God was present, like, like the, 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 the Spirit of the Lord was present to heal. And the idea of healing is, is, is to mend that which is broken, to fix, to restore, to make right, or to make whole again. And as, as Luke is writing it, he's, he's inviting his, his readers or the, the readers or listeners to his gospel to, to hear again what was stated just a little bit before, where Jesus, as he stood before the synagogue, as he was reading from the book of Isaiah, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the captives and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the Lord's favor. And it's kind of interesting as this whole thing is going on. Jesus is he, like the Spirit of the Lord is present. And it's great because the Pharisees and teachers of the law, they're, they're sitting there watching, listening, trying to figure out who is right. But what's amazing is Jesus is there in that moment to make people right. This is the beauty of this story. Well, as the story goes on, not only do we find it that the gospel provides an opportunity for hope, but we find this about humanity, that human life is marked by brokenness. We have in the story the picture of one who, who represents in some way all of us. And it says this in verse 18, some men were carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him to the house to lay him before Jesus. And when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles in the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. How many remember this story? How many know that would be one memorable experience? Could you imagine on a Sunday morning, like partway through the service, all of a sudden you start hearing noise above you, and then all of a sudden it, there may be some concerning noise, and then all of a sudden some dust starts floating down, and then all of a sudden sunlight begins to pierce through the sanctuary. Because people are ready to lower someone to the front through the ceiling. How many think that would be like one memorable Sunday, right? You know, I, I've, been in, so I've been in church. There's been lots of memorable Sundays. In our church in Granville, one Sunday happened, which I thought was really funny, and it was before us, which I was thankful for so I don't have to own, but it got told again and again. It was this huge cathedral-type sanctuary. 
20-some feet to the top, to the bottom, and they had a ceiling fan that in the middle of service let go and fell. How many know that would be a service to remember? Good news, it didn't hit anybody. Woo, praise the Lord, right? Uh, but, but you're like going, dude, that would, that would, everybody's looking up like, okay, am I okay? Am I, am I positioned rightly? Right, but, but, but this is an event that would be so memorable because here's Jesus teaching, there's crowds, and all of a sudden the roof is opening and they're letting someone down. And the man they're letting down, we, we, we find out, is paralyzed. His is a life that is marked by brokenness to such a degree that he was not able to get to Jesus under his own power. You see, part of his broken body is that, that he couldn't do what he, what, what he, his body couldn't do what his body was intended to do. And not only that, he couldn't serve the purpose that he was created for. Now, even in Jewish society, even if you had the right lineage, even if you were a, a, a Levite in, in, in succession so that you could serve in the temple of God, if you were lame, you were disqualified from serving. And so, so here's an individual who's, who's, whose life and purpose is characterized and, and subject to brokenness. Subject to brokenness. I think the word subject to brokenness is really an interesting idea, and, and I'm trying to put as much weight upon the idea of subject as possible. The idea of being a subject in a kingdom, how many know what it means to be a subject in a kingdom? It means that I'm under something. I, I, I'm under an authority. I, I'm under a power that influences and impacts my life. I may want to do different things, but because I'm under the power, I experience the, the consequences or, or, or I, I live within, uh, with, with the results of being under the power. And there's an aspect that everybody here, every one of our lives is subject under the power of brokenness. For the paralyzed man, his brokenness ruled his life. So much so that he needed friends to transport him around. He needed people to give him food. His life was limited to a mat. See, the truth is, is we're all subject to brokenness. We, we've all been at places in our lives where we have experienced deep brokenness. Sometimes it can be words someone has said, experiences we've gone through. And it's like we're under the power of it and we can't get away from it. Like, it's so amazing to me that, that, that words that can be spoken in our childhood continue to echo in our hearts, even as grown adults. How moments that we're ashamed of, moments that, that, that we did not clothe ourselves in glory, still have a way of haunting our being under the power of brokenness. 
And that brokenness has a way of limiting our lives. And so you've seen this. I've seen this. Where people's hurts all of a sudden begins to... to, to they're not able to, to do relationship well because of hurts in the past. That there, there's people who never step into their full potential and, and the purpose that God has from them be, for them because they still hear the words in their heart that you're no good, you're worthless. Why would someone love you? Why would someone care about you? And it's hard to step into purpose when you don't feel like your life has value and meaning. And you're subject to, you're under the brokenness. It affects our identity. It affects our outlook. Get into this story. Luke reminds us that the power of the Lord was present to heal. So we see an opportunity for hope, yet we recognize life is marked by brokenness. Yet within this story, we find out about the gift of forgiveness. It says this in verse 20, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Then the Pharisees and teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Okay, how many of you have the gift of, you know, like you can spot the obvious, right? Maybe you're like, you know, one of those Captain Obvious. Like you step outside and you're like, it's raining. You're like, well... Wow, you are good, right? Um, you know, like you're, you're like you're attentive, you're you're attuned to what's going on. What I love about this story, man, gets let down in front of Jesus because he's paralyzed and can't walk. Captain Obvious would say, "Oh, I know what he needs." He needs to walk, because that's the obvious thing. Now, I think about his friends. Okay, so, so this is what I think is interesting as you think about this story. I don't know how your mind wanders. My mind is always, like, wandering. So it doesn't tell us how or how long he was paralyzed. We don't know the conditions. We do know he has four friends. So, so could it be, this is just my speculation. It's just a, it's an idea, projection, maybe an idea. Maybe... This guy used to run with some friends. And how many know that when you run with friends, sometimes you do stupid? Right? I, I remember, so my, my friend in, in high school growing up, we, we, we would play a game with dartboards. We'd put our finger on the dartboard, and the goal was to see how close to the finger you could stick a dart without pulling your hand away. How many know that's a smart game? Played that game. I played a whole lot more that I'm not going to share. Why not? Because there are kids in the room. You got to understand, there, there, there are so many times, in, like my kids are growing up, oh, dude, do I got a story for you? I'm like, can't tell that one until. So in our, in our, in our world, there's, there's stories that after you're 18, we can start talking about a bunch of the stupid that dad did, right? Just because how many know, you know, your story gives permission. And so my kid's like, oh, dad did it? Okay. Um, 
But, but you know how it is. You, you get your friends together. You egg one another on. Maybe, just maybe, they were egging one another on, and then something happened that resulted in this man becoming paralyzed. And then could you imagine the four other guys all of a sudden feeling a little guilt, like, oh, my goodness, now we have a responsibility to them. Like, it was because of our stupid, because I, I egged them on. And I could just imagine, again, the conversation going on, because at some point, it's got to become a burden for the friends to keep hauling the guy around. Like, oh my goodness, you know how inconvenient this is? Boy, this interrupts my time. I was going to go this, but now i got to do that. And so you got all these pieces going on. And I'm sure one of them is like going, dude, did you hear there's a guy named Jesus? He's healing people. He's going to make it all easy and good. And then they drop him in front of Jesus, and they're like, here it is, guys, we're going to get our freedom. He's going to walk. And Jesus looks at him and says, your sins are forgiven. And as a friend, you may be like, uh, that, that's, that's not what we're here for, Jesus. We want you to make our life easy. Like, if you just take care of the, the external piece that would make our lives better. How many know that sometimes we like to focus on external things, and if we can just get the external things right, then our lives will be better? Like, we, we would, if we can get, you know, our bank accounts, maybe a little more money in it, maybe if we can find the right relationship, the right home, maybe the right job, if we can just find these things, then we're good to go. Yet what Jesus does, for Jesus, the heart of the matter is really the matter of the heart. The, the heart of the matter, the, the heart of this, the, this paralysis, the, this, this brokenness, right at the core of it, it is not about broken bodies, it's about broken hearts. And so Jesus speaks to the core of the issue. Your sins are forgiven. Now, we're all familiar with sins. One of the definitions of sin is to miss the mark, whether intentionally or unintentionally. It's the idea that, that we, we believe that we know better than God how to ex, you know, what we need to do to experience a better life. It's where we begin to choose our way against God's way. And when you read this story in, in Genesis chapter 2 and 3, as God creates this beautiful world and these beautiful people, and they choose against God, all of a sudden their lives are placed under something. They're placed under a curse. They've now become subject to sin. They are under something that they can't get out from under. See, what sin does, when, when, we are, when we are in a sinful state apart from God, we are, we are, our lives or humanity's lives are ruled by an authority that we can't escape. Just so you know, Paul will write about this in, in Romans chapter 3, verse 9, as he's talking about humanity's fallenness and brokenness and sinfulness. He will say this in Romans 3.9, Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. We're under the authority 
of sin. You're under something you can't get out from under. We try and resist. But the reality is, is we're tied to it. This is why when Jesus looks at a broken man, he recognizes the ultimate issue isn't just a broken body. And, 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 and I just, I want to encourage you because sometimes we think if I can just get the conditions changed, then everything will be good. But the reality is there's something that sometimes our lives are lived under that we actually need to be freed from. That's a heart issue. So Jesus speaks to the broken man and says, your sins are forgiven. Now the idea of forgiven or to forgive is, is powerful because it's the idea of releasing. It's the idea of releasing. It's about setting free. It's the picture of one who has been bound and tied, something they can't shake, but all of a sudden now they're, they're being set free. So when we were, when we were younger, our family uh, used to go around and do kids' camps. And so we would do this fun little thing uh, where we'd find the biggest, strongest kid in the room, and we'd get a simple spool of thread. And then what we would do is we'd cover their wrist properly, and then we'd tie their wrists together with one piece of thread and say, go ahead and break it. And they're like, I got it. I can manage this. And then what we would do is then we would say, okay, let's try it again. And we put a few more. And they would struggle a little bit harder. And then eventually they would break it. But then we would take the simple little thread Tied around and around and around and around. And then we'd say, go ahead and break it. And it didn't matter how hard they tried, they couldn't. It tells us in Proverbs chapter 4 that the cords of sin hold us fast. We can't break them. Well, we, we can't struggle enough to, to, to undo the brokenness. We're under an authority we can't escape. Subject to a power we cannot break. So Jesus steps into this moment, sees the faith, and says, your sins are forgiven. You are released. You are no longer under that authority anymore. You're forgiven. Where it says over in Luke 4, where it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news, to, pre uh, what, to preach uh, good news to the poor, freedom for the captive. Uh, broken, it talks about the brokenhearted. And then it says, To set the oppressed free. The word that's used there for free is the same root word for forgiven. What Christ has come to do, and this is what we have to understand, what the gospel does to us. 
it frees us from having to live under the tyranny of sin, under the curse, and under its consequences. That because of the grace of Jesus, we are set free. You see, in addressing the sinful nature, Jesus came to transform the heart in order that he might transform the life. In a few moments, we're going we're gonna to uh, serve communion together, participate in communion. It's that moment where we are reminded again that Christ bore all the stuff needed so that you and I can know forgiveness of sin so that we do not have to live under the tyranny of sin any longer. You see, what the gospel provides for us is actually a greater authority. The gospel of Jesus invites you and me to live a life under a new and greater authority that we don't have to live under the domain of sin, but we get to live under the authority of Christ. It says this in verse 22, Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? And the, the, the question is, is who can forgive sins but God? He says, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority. Everybody say authority. authority. So that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and walk. And immediately he stood up in front of them took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. And everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. And they were filled with awe and said, We have seen remarkable things today. Jesus says, I want you to know I have authority to forgive sins. So that you can live under a new authority. One that is not there to, to tyrannize but one that is to release life. What we see that the evidence of a changed heart in the story, so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority. I say, get up, take your mat, and go home. The evidence of a changed heart is manifest through a changed life, through a new walk. It was a transformation that was initiated by the love of God who wants to bring freedom and healing the broken people. It is the freedom and the healing that flows to us as we bring our lives under the authority of Jesus, who is for us the King of kings and Lord of lords. So we don't have to live under the tyranny of sin anymore. He is the God who wants to change our walk so we don't have to be defined by our history, our hurts, or our habits. You see, we may have been carried in, but by the grace of God, we can walk out. And this is the gift that Jesus offers all of us. 
This is why I say because of the gospel, we don't have to leave the same way we came. Because I know we all struggle with brokenness. We, we, we struggle with the, the voice of, of, even as we come to faith in Christ, how we know that coming to faith in Christ does not stop the demands of the old master. We wrestle and we struggle. Yet Jesus says, listen, I want you to know I am calling you to new life. I'm calling you to walk different. I want to invite the worship team to come up as we get ready to close and celebrate communion together. You see, because of the gospel, we don't have to leave the same way we came. We can walk new. It involves us recognizing our brokenness, that, that we all have a heart issue that needs addressing. How many know we got a heart issue? I want to ask you if your neighbor has a heart issue, because that's obvious. How many know it's easier to see it in others, but not always in ourselves? Right? Now, we often think the worst of others and the best of ourselves. But the reality is, is there's a brokenness. There's a brokenness that we need healing. And what we need to do to begin to experience a new walk is, is we have to get to Jesus to bring our broken hearts and lives to Him. I want you to know there is hope for everyone in this room, everyone who's listening. There is hope no matter what your history is, doesn't matter what your hurts are or what habits you have. The power of Jesus is greater. There are some people, I, I know you got, you got some history. <laughs> you got things in your background that you can't get away from. It feels like you're under the power of it all the time. Hey, listen, I want you to know when Jesus speaks forgiveness, he says, I'm releasing you from that. Even if you remember it and you bring it back up, Jesus is like, listen, I'm not holding it against you anymore. You're free. And when you begin to understand that Jesus frees us from our history, boy, it begins to change the way we walk in our present. Some of you, I know, you're struggling with hurts because you've, your, your history involves some pretty deep wounds. Wounds that, that, that aren't of the body, they're, they're of the heart and the mind. Hurts where you struggle so deeply and different things arise in life and it, it, it's like, it's like that, that hurt is just like, Ugh. I have to keep reminding Matt, I'm getting old. I hurt in lots of places. And he has a way of just uh, finding them at the right time. I'm like, stop hitting me. Stop pushing me. Just, just the regular bumps and bruises of life. He's a teen boy who likes to play. Stop it. And some of you, you're just, there, there's, there's a hurt that comes with your being that just the regular bumps and bumping and moving of life. Dude, it's just. It's affecting how you're talking. It's affecting how you're loving. It's, it's affecting your living. And Jesus says, and, and I want you to understand that the power of Jesus is to heal us from 
our history and our hurts. And when he heals our hurts, it doesn't make a wrong thing right, but all of a sudden we begin to find out, you know what, that even out of this ugly brokenness, he can begin to bring life. Some are wrestling with habits. Some people are like going, you know, there's a bottle in your life, there's an internet that you're wrestling with. Some of you, you're just... There's all these things that we get addicted to. Some of you, you, you're using food as a way to soothe your soul. Some of you are using money as a way of determining meaning. And our habits seem to have a hold on us. Jesus is like, listen, I've come to free you so you can actually live the purpose you were created for. That you might live. That you might become. What we have to do is just get to Jesus. And allow Him to begin to speak over our lives. Some of you, you just need to hear the words or be reminded of the words, you are forgiven. You're forgiven. You're beating yourself up about yesterday. Hey, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. Some of you, you need to, you need to hear the words that you're loved. Because he does all of this simply because he loves us. You're loved. You're not forgotten. And you're not too far gone. We need to allow the grace of Jesus to begin to speak over our lives. And as we hear his words, we need to begin to walk in response to new authority in our lives. That Jesus has won the victory. The tyranny of sin in our lives is broken because of what our Savior did on the cross. And that's what we're going to celebrate. And what we do is we simply respond with faith. Because of the gospel, we don't have to leave the same way we came. We may have been carried in But by His grace, we get to walk out. Father, I thank You for Jesus. I thank You for the gospel that transforms our lives. Lord, that You came to meet us in our brokenness. You came to rescue and to redeem us to make us new again, to bring healing. And Lord, I thank you that, Lord, that same Spirit is here today to heal. So by faith we come. And by faith we receive.
Lord, even now as we gather around your table, I pray that you would release healing into our midst, into our beings, into our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite those who will be serving communion, if you would please come forward at this time. Be still, there is a healer. His love is deeper than the sea. And his mercy, it is unfailing. And his arms are a fortress for the weak. Let faith arise. Let faith arise. I lift my hands to believe again. You are my refuge. You are my strength. As I pour out my heart, these things I remember. You are faithful, God, forever. Be still, there is a river that flows from Calvary's tree. A fountain for the thirsty. Pure grace that washes over me. Let faith arise. Yes, let faith arise. Will I lift my hands to believe again? You are my refuge, you are my strength. As I pour out my heart, these things I remember. You are faithful, God, forever. And I lift my hands to believe again. You are my refuge, you are my strength. As I pour out my heart, these things I remember. You are faithful, God, forever. Amen. Amen. Hey, Don, could you help me? Could you take some up to the sound booth? Thank you, sir. I love you. What a great servant. What a good-looking man, too. We come into this moment to be reminded again of what God has done for us. To know the extent of His love. The Apostle Paul would write in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. 
that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The bread is the symbol of the body of Christ that was broken for us. John would begin his gospel by saying that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then he'll say, and the Word became flesh. He made his dwelling amongst us. That when we couldn't find a way out from the tyranny of sin, God came to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. And so God took humanity upon himself. And the prophet Isaiah would speak about this and, 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 and the life and the sacrifice and the suffering hundreds of years before Jesus came. And he said he would be wounded for our transgressions. He would be bruised for our iniquities. The punishment that would bring us peace, well, it'd be upon him. And that by his stripes, we would be healed. See, Jesus has come to bring healing to us in our brokenness. Maybe you're wrestling with some of that in your life. As we partake, be mindful again that he did all of this for you. This is my body, which is for you. I'm doing it for you. It's not taken from me. It's given for you. So, Lord, we just want to say thank you that you love us. Thank you for the freedom that it, and life that is ours in your powerful name. Lord, I thank you that you are broken so that we might be made whole. And God, in our brokenness, we come before you, recognizing our deep need for you to work in us. Father, I pray for broken hearts, broken dreams, broken bodies, broken spirits. Lord, I pray that even as we partake this morning, that by your grace, you would meet us, that God, we would, we would recognize again the life that has been given to us, and may we live well under your goodness and grace. And we say thank you for a body that was broken for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's partake of the bread together. The cup is the symbol of the blood of Christ that was broken for us. So, I mean, shed for us. God made him who had no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. 
The writer to the Hebrews tells us, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness, there is no release. That without the, the blood of Jesus being shed, we are stuck under the power of sin. Yet Jesus came to set us free. The Apostle John would write the church and say, I write these things in order that you might not sin. And he says it because he knows how, how powerful sin is and what sin does in our world and in our lives and our relationships. He says, I write these things in order that you might not sin, but just in case you do sin. I'm so grateful for that line. But just in case you do sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, and that is Jesus Christ the righteous, and He is the atoning sacrifice not only for our sin, but for the sin of the whole world. Therefore, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, as we believe in Him, he sets us free. So, Father, we say thank you for grace that meets us in this moment. I thank you for the freedom that is ours in Jesus' name. And God, even as we get ready to partake together, Lord, we lift our faith to you, recognizing our great need for you to forgive, to restore, to make whole. Father, May your life be manifest in us. We thank you for your loving kindness and your mercy. We receive your forgiveness. And we stand in your freedom. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's partake the cup together. Amen. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. He gives us the power. He gives us the grace to live for Him. To walk in a way that brings glory and honor and praise to His name. That manifests His goodness. May our hearts continually lean into Him. May we trust Him to make whole every broken part in us. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand together. Lord, we want to say thank you for your grace and mercy, the opportunity to join with your people, to gather our faith, to, to hear your word, to, to share at your table. And Lord, we're asking that, Lord, your faith, Lord, that, that Lord, your goodness to us would be manifest. Lord, we stand and we walk in your freedom in your healing, and in your goodness. Lord, I thank you that because of your gospel, we don't have to leave this place the same way we came in. And by faith, we leave changed. Thank you for your goodness and grace, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Hey, I want you to know something. You are loved. And God's not done yet. He's going to help us become the people He wants us to be. Just so you know, I want to invite you Wednesday night. We're going to talk about this a little bit more. We're going to kind of work through some of Romans because there's some really good stuff in Romans. Uh, that's at 6.30. We have stuff for the kids. We have stuff for the youth. Uh, but it, it's an opportunity for us to take our faith deeper. Hey, as you go, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. Lift His countenance upon you and give you peace. Go in His strength and His might. 
Have an amazing week with, uh, in Him and through Him. We'll see you all soon. God bless.